Great show, Harge. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. There he goes. Hardball Harge. And here we go with another edition of Trey and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. At at first, did you think you were going to go with Trey and then go boom and BK and then you realized it was backwards? I needed to be on the screen first. Is that what was going through your head? Yeah, there's not a lot that goes through this head, but in that moment, that was going through my head. Good call. We're on the same page there. I was like, this is about to look so cool. Oh, wait, wrong name. Yep, I've messed it up. That's all right. We'll respond to adversity. That's what we do here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Trey and I are taking you for the next hour. Plenty of sports conversation to get into. We'll talk some Dallas Cowboys football. We'll talk some Houston Texans football. We'll let you hear from Steve Sarkeesian, who met with the local media here in Austin yesterday. We've also got another crazy lady on an airplane. We've got a video to show you all about that. And then we'll end the show with where are we at in society as we do every day right here on the award-winning midday program on Texas Sports Unfiltered. All right, Trey, let's, uh, I guess let's start with the Monday Night Football last night before we get into the Cowboys and Texans and some of the other Week 2 headlines from around the NFL. Uh, your biggest takeaways from the doubleheader that saw the Saints go to Carolina and take down Bryce Young and the Panthers. And then I think the game that more people were interested in The Cleveland Browns coming off their big win over Cincinnati in week one. They go into Pittsburgh. The Steelers looked awful against the 49ers. The Steelers bounce back. They get the win. Cleveland loses, and they also lose their best player, at least on offense, in the process. Your big observations from the MNF doubleheader. The first is obviously Nick Chubb, and we talked about this with Aaron Rodgers after that unfortunate week one injury also on monday night football didn't think about it until just now you're sick to your stomach for nick chubb he is a guy who goes out there and plays the game the right way he is insanely talented one of the top backs in the league when he's healthy and it was unfortunately one of those fluke moments where mika fitzpatrick and obviously we didn't see the replay but hits him perfectly on that knee to cause that knee to utterly collapse and it's season-ending surgery for him and it's going to be a pretty tough climb for him to get back to anywhere close to how productive he has been these last few years. This game is more fun to watch when guys like Nick Chubb are able to play. Uh, Cleveland Browns tried to pick themselves up, and they were able to remain close throughout, but credit the Steelers for doing enough to win. And congratulations to T.J. Watt becoming the all-time sacks leader for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dude's not even 30 yet. That's a little bit surprising. I mean, I know he's been productive. It's surprising that that sack total for the all-time leader for the Steelers isn't something closer to 100, though. Yeah, T.J. Watt's a stud. He obviously had that scoop and score go-ahead touchdown to give the Steelers the win last night. Credit Alex Highsmith on the other side of that Steelers D-line for forcing that fumble. But yeah, T.J. Watt continues to be a stud, and Cowboys fans like myself continue to be pissed off that the Cowboys thought it was a good idea to draft Taco Charlton instead of T.J. Watt a few years ago. Yikes. Yikes. Taco Thursday. Taco Thursday, BK. Yeah, that guy sucks. That guy doesn't deserve the name Taco, honestly. Like, he really, I know that's a nickname, but he really should be forced to give it up because tacos are good. Taco Charlton, the opposite of good. He he should be like bean and cheese burrito Charlton or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah, what's the worst Tex-Mex slash Mexican food item that's out there? The bowl of cilantro Charlton. Oh, Even that feels too nice to Taco Charlton, the way his NFL career has gone. He's not still in the league, is he? I don't know. He was in the league last year. I can't even remember what team he was on. He bounced around for a little bit. I think he he had a glass of water in Miami for a while, and then I don't know if he went anywhere else after that or still somewhere in the NFL. But he sucks. The Cowboys got that one wrong. He is a free agent, according to Google. Well, maybe we'll see him in Arlington again, but with the Renegades instead of the Dallas Cowboys next year. Maybe that's the future for Bean Burrito Charlton at this point or Cilantro Charlton or whatever the hell we're calling that dude. Um, The Nick Chubb injury sucks for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, if you had Nick Chubb on your fantasy team, you're reeling a little bit today. The Browns are in trouble, Trey. Like, the Browns were hoping to have a really good year. Kevin Stefanski's probably coaching for his job. That is a talented roster, and obviously 
they went out last offseason and acquired Deshaun Watson and gave him that ridiculous contract in hopes that that was the missing piece and that they could be a Super Bowl contender now that they had their quarterback. Well, the problem is they don't have their quarterback because Deshaun Watson is awful, and he was really bad last season, but the hope for Cleveland fans was, well, he had basically missed two full seasons, and he was coming off the suspension, and he's just a little rusty. Just give him an offseason, let him get back to football shape, and he'll be perfectly fine. Dude, he's been terrible through these first two games. He keeps turning the ball over, and without Nick Chubb, the Browns are in some serious, serious trouble if Watson can't get back to the guy he was in Houston for a few years. This should serve as another lesson to those guys, and I realize Watson, let's see, was he choosing to sit the year out? That was the year he chose to sit the year out, and then he got suspended the year after that, too. Yeah, it was kind of an agreement that he and the Texans had to not let him play for a full season and then yeah he got traded last offseason and then sat out most of last year with the suspension that should be a lesson to those guys who are considering sitting out a year because somebody who was as dominant as deshaun watson was who is still very much in his prime is having a hard time catching back up with the speed of the game that is something that is pretty evident to me when i've watched him play last year and now this year too and you're exactly right, BK. Like, they have good receivers around him right now. So, theoretically, he should be set up in more of a position to succeed than he was the last couple of years with the Texans. He's just off target right now, though. And nothing they're doing is really helping out other than taking some of the pressure off of him by running Nick Chubb. And I realized the backup came in last night, had the one big run to make his numbers look good. That dude is not Nick Chubb, so they're going to need more out of him going forward. Otherwise, they're going to lose a lot of games in 2023. Yes, they are. And the Texans don't get a lot right, but they made out like bandits in that trade, getting three first-round picks from Cleveland in exchange for Deshaun Watson. And, of course, the Browns gave Watson that ridiculously unprecedented, fully guaranteed contract at the time of the trade last March and it has not worked out. And, of course, it hasn't. It's the Cleveland Browns, dude. And Deshaun Watson, like, I think a lot of it's mental for him, too. You might be right. You probably are right to a degree about the physical standpoint. But I think just mentally, he he ain't the same guy. And it's understandable. Now, it's all his fault that all of the stuff off the field happened. But that guy was like a fan favorite everywhere. Going back to his college days when he was like the beast that slayed the dragon that was Nick Saban in Alabama. And people always rooted for those Clemson teams against those Bama teams. And it was a huge deal. He was one of everyone's favorite college football players. And, you know, with the Texans, they obviously loved him in Houston. But I think most NFL fans around the league loved and respected him, too. And it was just a total 180. He went from being a fan favorite to, like, the most hated guy in football. Once again, his fault and deserved but, like, I just don't know. I, shit, I wouldn't have the mental capacity to deal with all of that. And I, I don't know if he does either. And I think that's a big part of why he ain't the same dude. So, uh, yeah, it's a mess. Mess for Cleveland. You know what he can maybe do to help out? Help himself out here? Massage? Go get a massage. Yeah, a little R&T, baby. Come on now. But a non-hands team massage, a non-old-fashioned massage, new school massage. What, with like a Theragun or something? What are you talking about? There are massages now where you keep all your clothes on to where your genitals are never exposed like he apparently has had an issue with in the past. Uh, like all your clothes are on? What, do you show up in like a three-piece suit in there? No, you show up in athleisure wear, which is <laughs> maybe one of the most embarrassed I'm ever going to be used uh, trying to say a new school term like that. But yeah, the like the Lululemon, Viore sort of clothing where it isn't necessarily like two sizes too large, but it's loose enough fitting and kind of a stretchy material to where the person can still get good leverage on whatever muscles they're pushing on. Athleisure? Yeah. That's a thing? Athleisure wear. I think you would really, if you were to ever try some athleisure wear, you would end up leaning really hard into that it's comfortable clothing yeah i wouldn't be saying that word maybe i would like the clothes but i would find a different way to describe what you're talking about because that's that is awful oh i did work out i did lift weights last night for the first time in like 15 years so i told all the folks in my apartment gym that i will see them in 15 years after the session was done walking through your apartment gym with your groceries doesn't count as lifting weights (laughs) i did it all in one trip i had like four bags in each hand man we're one trip, guys. It was heavy, okay? 
I'm so guilty of that too. And it, it, I feel so great about myself all the way until one of those bag handles rips. Cause I always do paper if I can help it. And it just turns into a disaster that usually has me cussing, saying profanity out loud. My kids just looking at me like I'm a psychopath. Is paper better for the turtles or do I go plastic? Uh, I go paper just because I like paper bags better. They're a little bit sturdier to set down on the floorboard of your car. Whereas plastic, everything just ends up rolling all over the place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that is fair. But yeah, damn, you're on to me with my workout last night. That's impressive. That is one of the things I'm most proud of, though, my ability to take all the groceries up in, in one trip. Like, I'm, we're, we're not taking two trips, dude. It, it's a skill. Yeah. It is definitely a skill. Yep. Like, I'll, will you sometimes test yourself at the grocery store? Well, I guess you only do really do pickup. But back in the day when you used to go to the grocery store before COVID allowed everybody to be that much lazier about things, <laughs> would you sometimes take the hand cart and see how much you could load in the hand cart without having to transition over to the... Uh, to the smaller shopping cart. No. And it ends up so heavy that you're just like struggling to get to the uh, checkout line at the end. No, I've always like, I've never wanted to be a shopping cart guy at the grocery store to the point where I would always bring like one HEB reusable bag and whatever I could fit in that bag is all the groceries I was walking out there with. I did not, I, I, like, I felt so uncool in my early and mid twenties, like pushing a shopping cart around. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be this guy. I just want to hold one bag and put my shit in there and get in and get out. Cause I hate the freaking grocery store. So I don't want any part of that. I don't want to be there any longer than I need to be. You're like a Terrytown mom going to the grocery store, putting everything in the bag that you're going to be taking it out of the store in. I know my clientele, dude. Also, I have a little rat dog in my uh, in my bag too. You know, that's my move right there. Oh, shoot, random grocery store talk here. All right, let's uh, let's get back to the NFL. Cowboys and Texans. I guess we can go to the Texans because we talked about you know how good they look from the Deshaun Watson trade. Now the Texans are zero and two. They got stomped by the Colts at home this past Sunday. And, hell, Anthony Richardson, the Colts' starting quarterback, didn't even finish the first half. Like, credit to Gardner Minshew. Honestly, he, he looked better than Anthony Richardson. He was picking the Texans' secondary apart. Uh, D'Amico Ryans' defense had no answers in that one. The good news is C.J. Stroud looked good, like, through two weeks. He's been the best of the three first-round quarterbacks that, yeah. uh, that were picked in the top five back in April. But the bad news is the Texans have – some serious, serious issues, and if they don't get resolved soon, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league again. Yeah, Stroud was questionable going into that game also with the shoulder injury, so credit to him for sucking it up and putting up some big-time stats. Ends up over 350 yards passing and looked good for the better part of the day, despite the fact, BK, that this team is so banged up on the offensive line, so at times it feels like he's running for his life, and they're also dealing with a rash of injuries on defense, too. So, of course, the Colts had to start Anthony Richardson. I guess they didn't have to start him theoretically going into the year, but they probably needed to give him a year to really learn the offense and get more comfortable throwing the football. But because they took him with a top five selection, at that point, you are almost required to start that guy game one. Gardner Minshew is the quarterback that gives them a better chance to win games right now. So considering that Anthony Richardson has suffered either a concussion or concussion-like symptoms the first couple weeks of the year, if you're the Colts, you need to be smart about this right now. Let this guy sit for at least a couple of games before getting him back out there, or maybe he gets to sit longer than that depending on how Gardner Minshew plays. Yeah, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? You draft the quarterback that high, you want to play that guy right away, and Jim Mercer is a very needy owner. He's one of the worst owners in all of sports, but he was basically tweeting out that Anthony Richardson is going to start before the coaching staff even got to make that announcement themselves. So, you know, uh, that guy wanted to get Richardson out there as quickly as possible, and that was obviously the plan. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Richardson's got to learn how to slide, dude. Like, yeah. Forget Bucky's fall school. He's got to go to somebody's slide school. Maybe Ricky Henderson or Ronald Acuna teaches one of those. All the stolen bases those dudes had in baseball. But, uh, yeah, he's he's got to stop taking those hits because that's two games and two injuries. He's like the C.J. Baxter of the NFL right now. And uh, obviously the Colts have big plans for Anthony Richardson for a number of years in the future. They need that dude to stay healthy. But, yeah, good for C.J. Stroud. The Texans' O-line sucks. The Texans' defense has some clear issues right now. 
But Stroud, despite all of that, despite not having a ton of good weapons at wide receiver, and despite Damian Pierce not being able to do anything on the ground game through a couple of games, C.J. Stroud looking uh, pretty solid to this point in his young NFL career. So maybe the Texans got that one right. How about Bijan Robinson with the first of what is probably going to be a lot of really good games as a professional and helping his Atlanta Falcons? I don't know if technically it was considered an upset, but Green Bay was playing well enough early in this game that it required a bit of a comeback by the Falc. They come out victorious, though, 25-24. to 24, And while Bijan didn't get into the end zone like he did in week one, he is clearly a focal point of this offense. People are pointing out that Tyler Algier ends up with 16 carries in the game. That's all right, because Bijan ends up with 23 total touches. That's 19 rushes going over 100 yards. That's four more catches for 48 yards, too. And the Bijan Robinson era is officially upon us in Atlanta, BK. The hell is the Falk? That's not an abbreviation for Falcons. What, what was that? Sure it is. According to whom? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, according to to, uh, certain circles here in Austin. The the, the only circle is the one you're sitting in right now. Nobody else has ever called them the Falk. Well... It is lonely at times, which is when I come up with alternative nicknames for various NFL teams. God, you and your athleisure and your falc. What a what a start to the show for you, my friend. Dallas Cows? I mean, come on now. That's okay. strong. Well, you talking about the animals? You talking about women? You talking about football? What are you talking about there? Cows, come on. The, the, the boys, the cowboys. Ah, the <laughs> Ah, yes, of course. Yes, the cows, the Dallas cows. Yep, everyone refers to them as that. Oh, man. You're right on Bijan, though. Look, I'm fine with Bijan and Algier splitting carries. What I was mad about in week one was that Algier got more touches than Bijan. That cannot happen, and it didn't. And look, you said it would probably change over the course of the season, so I'll give you credit. It changed in week two where Bijan got more touches than Algier. So he doesn't need 100% of the carries. He didn't have that at Texas, right? Rojo was a great compliment. He doesn't need 100% with the Falcons. He uh, he can split a little bit, but he's got to be the number one running back because of where he was drafted and because of how freaking good he is. I honestly feel like this is come, going to come down a lot of games on whether Atlanta is ahead or not because – the touches were pretty even up to a certain point in this game, but when Atlanta needed to start putting together drives, you were seeing Bijan Robinson in there a lot more at the starts of drives. How about this? Running backs with 250-plus all-purpose yards this season. Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson. That's your list. Yeah, Pretty a lot special. of people like comparing Bijan to Saquon Barkley, and I understand that comp because he is a physical freak. Christian McCaffrey always felt like a better comparison with Robinson, at least to me, having gotten to watch him for the last three years here in Austin. Yeah, I agree with that. And people people don't like to compare black players to white players and vice versa, but that one that one fits. You know, like all these draft shows, it's like if there's a white receiver, it's it's against the law to compare him to a non white receiver. Like, no, some sometimes you can uh, go cross racial comparison here in the NFL. And I think that's a good comparison for those two. That's why I always used to tell people who didn't like my Wes Welker, Randy Moss comparison that they can just fuck off. Like, sorry, <laughs> sometimes a, a good comparison is a good comparison. You know, you, you are not helping my argument at all. That's that just that just set us back a few years. Thanks for that one, man. Oh God, what about the Cowboys, man? Two and zero. They beat up on the Jets, thirty to ten. The final score. No Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, the Jets were. A lot worse than expected because of that. But still, the Jets had one of the best defenses in football last year. That defense made Josh Allen look like dog crap on Monday Night Football in week one. Dak Prescott had no problems. The Cowboys offense had no problems. And obviously, the Cowboys defense feasted on poor Zach Wilson in that Jets offense. Dallas 2-0. They've got the best point differential in football, Trey. They are plus 60 through two games. 
Okay, that doesn't surprise me. And I was just about to ask you this, BK, because to me right now, there are two teams that I think have an argument as who looks the best the first couple weeks of the season. The Cowboys are one of those, and I would honestly give them the overall edge over the other team that I'm thinking of. Who do you think the other best team is in football right now, assuming that you have the Cowboys up there? I mean, I don't have the Cowboys number one, but I guess if we're talking about what they've looked like through two weeks, then it's fair to throw them in that conversation. Um, If I was making a power rankings, I should probably explain myself a little bit. I wouldn't have Dallas number one. Um, I'd probably go San Francisco. I know That's that the game, I had in mind. Yeah. yeah, that game against the Rams was close for a while, but they uh, they pulled away. And I think the Rams are clearly better than people thought they were going to be going into the season. Like they look, uh, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they look more like the Super Bowl team than the 2022 Rams that were one of the biggest disappointments in all of football. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go those as the top two. You know, Miami's been impressive. Yeah, looking at some of the other 2-0 and o teams right now, even some of those 2-0 and o teams have looked fairly pedestrian versus what we thought of them heading into the year. Yeah. I guess the commanders are maybe playing a little bit over their heads, but it required a furious comeback over Denver for them to find themselves at 2-0. and o. Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, you have three teams in that division that are 2-0 and o right now. Philly has not really looked like themselves up to this point. That's bound to change at some point, and they are still winning these games. But Philly looks more human this year than they did last year. How about the NFC South with three two and O teams right now? And uh, I guess the Bucks probably look best out of these three teams, but none of them would scare me if I was a Cowboys or 49ers fan. And on the AFC side, how much attention do we give the AFC being the better conference of the NFC this year? NFC actually six and O in the interconference games right now. Hmm. Those two and O teams on the other side, though, the Miami Dolphins. They are solid. They win that shootout over the Chargers in week one, and then they handle the Patriots on Sunday night football in week two. Baltimore Ravens are looking solid this year as well, and that's it for 2-0 and teams in the AFC. Yeah, I still think the AFC is the better conference, yeah. and I think we'll learn that over the course of these 18 weeks. But, um, yeah, no, the NFC was some surprise teams for sure. And the NFC South, I think everybody expected that to be the worst division in football this year. Pretty incredible that they've got three two and O teams right now. Uh, that was expected to be a division where you only needed like eight or nine wins to win that thing and make it to the playoffs, but maybe that is not the case this year. Ultimately, though, I think uh, some of the AFC teams will step up a little bit. Right, Kansas City's got a loss. That was a surprise. The Bengals are zero and two. That's a surprise. Uh, the Bills obviously have a loss. Still think more of the talent is in the AFC, but an impressive showing for the NFC thus far. I will say this. I still think the three expected best teams in the NFC going into the year are the three best teams in the NFC. Like maybe you shift up the order of where you had Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas. But like I, I think going into the league, uh, going into the year, everybody kind of viewed those three teams in a tier of their own. I know you've got some other two and O teams in there. I know Detroit had that big win over Kansas City last week, but I still think there's a, a pretty clear upper echelon in the NFC, and then. Everybody else is kind of fighting for fourth best right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And while you wholly expect Kansas City to continue getting things back on track as they get healthier, like Travis Kelsey is still not close to 100%. That was evident on Sunday. Getting Chris Jones back is a big deal. And gradually, health uh, Kelsey will get healthier unless he's suffering from the curse of Taylor Swift. Bills feels like they'll get back on track too. But you did have the Bengals as, I forget if it was Super Bowl runner-up or Super Bowl champs this year. If there is a an elite team in the AFC that's in trouble right now, it may be the Bengals just because we don't know what Joe Burrow's status is going forward with him having tweaked that calf injury. Yeah, that's the only reason they're in trouble, right? Let's not forget the Bengals started 0-2 last year and made it all the way to the AFC Championship game, but Burrow was healthy when they started 0-2. It's not normal for a quarterback to run off the side, uh, run off the field onto the sideline and go right to the bench and pull out the Theragun every single time a possession is over. And that's what's happening with Joe Burrow right now. Like, clearly that calf is not right, and he re-aggravated it towards the end of that loss to Baltimore on Sunday. And now, like, Cincinnati was thinking, all right, well, we don't want to start 0-2, so we'll make sure we get Joe Burrow back into the lineup for week one. Well, Joe Burrow was back into the lineup for week one, but here the Bengals are at 0-2. And now instead of waiting a little bit longer to ensure that Joe Burrow was going to be 100%, they rush him back a little bit, 
They're 0-2, and he re-aggravates the injury, and now they are in a world of trouble, you would think. So, yeah, maybe the uh, the BK kiss of death is coming true for the Bengals this year. If you're a Cincinnati fan, sorry about that. If you're a fan of another AFC team, I accept Venmo. You're welcome. Uh, other other storylines for you in the NFL? Week 2 takeaways, any games? You, we talked a little bit about the Ravens-Bengals. Uh, I think our picks, we were even, right? Because we had two different games you had the Cowboys covering against the Jets. I did not. Cowboys covered. I had the Chiefs covering in Jacksonville. You did not. The Chiefs covered. So I think we're uh, all square after this past week. But anything else you want to get into? Jacksonville needs to get their shit figured out. They had plenty of opportunities to at least give themselves a chance to tie that game when it was an eight-point deficit. And I want to say they had six or seven failures, not just in the red zone, but I want to say inside the 10-yard line, too. I get that it's still a team that is still coming together and gelling, but enough of those guys have been there for a while now that uh, they needed to figure that out. And I say that also understanding that Kansas City has a better defense and they probably get credit for at times. If you're a Jacksonville fan, you want to see your team get back on track this weekend. I have to admit that I was ready to leave the Titans for dead after their week one loss. Shocked that they beat the Chargers like they did on Sunday, Ryan Tannehill says, hey, everybody may be ready for me to uh, sit the bench for Will Levis, but I still have some say-so in that. Traylon Burks looks like he's coming around in terms of his development as a wide receiver and injury-plagued rookie season for him. Saw DeAndre Hopkins make a couple plays in that game, too. And then, of course, Derrick Henry is what they should be running the entire offense through allowing Tannehill to operate off a of play action like what happened on Sunday the Chargers, BK, they need to make a decision sooner rather than later on firing Brandon Staley. Yeah. I have been on him since year one, watching him make insanely stupid decisions, game management decisions with regards to the clock and when they're using timeouts and also when they're choosing to go for it on fourth down versus punting or taking what is a pretty easy three points. He dialed that back a little bit last year. But it's very clear to me right now that he is out of his element and he's not totally sure of the decisions that he's making in the moment. And on top of that, too, and somebody told me that the guy went through uh, cancer treatment in the offseason. I don't know if that's true or not. If it is, glad that everything is better for him. With that back and forth that he had with the media member following the loss on Sunday, that dude looks like he is aging like an American president right now. He looks (laughs) like he's put on 10 years in the last two. Yeah, it's been a long couple of years for the Chargers, and they should have fired him after they blew that playoff game last year. Right? Like, not a direct apples to apples comparison between that situation and what happened with Bill O'Brien in Houston. But, you know, the Texans should have fired Bill O'Brien after they blew that huge lead in Kansas City in that mm-hmm. divisional game a couple of years ago. I mean, they were up 24 to nothing. They, they should have won that game and hosted an AFC championship that year, but they coughed it up. They actually ended up getting killed in that game. Most Texans fans were like, we got to get rid of Bill O'Brien right now. And the Texans were like, no, we're keeping him and we're giving him more power. And then, well, four weeks into the next season, they fired him after starting 0-4. Once again, not apples to apples, but Chargers, huge playoff collapse on the road, a game that they should have won, but didn't. A lot of Chargers fans were like, we got to move on from this guy. I shouldn't say a lot. There's only like 10 who exist. But they were saying, we got to move on from this guy. And the organization's like, nope, we're keeping him. We're letting him hire some new people and do something different. And, well, they're 0-2 right now. And once again, he looks like he is in over his head. So I'm curious to see how much longer he's got. If they don't turn it around, he won't make it the whole season. Yeah, if nothing else, they should have fired him when he went out to get Kellen Moore as his offensive play caller. And that's the problem right there, BK. Is it's like, how many years do you have Justin Herbert playing at this elite level in terms of the physical skill? And you've got a coach who just continues to hamstring him with regards to allowing him the opportunity to show just how good he is and win games as a result also. And I realized part of it with the Chargers too, like they have a bunch of dudes on defense who are potential Pro Bowl type guys who have a hard time staying on the field. Bosa, obviously, Khalil Max nearing the end of his career. Derwin James is one of the best safeties in the league when he's out there, but there are a lot of times that he is not out there, unfortunately. And I wouldn't be surprised. Let me think about first coach fired this season. I don't know if he's the first coach fired mid-season this year, 
But I do think that he ends up getting let go at some point during the 2023 regular season. All right. I've got updated. Uh, these aren't updated. These are from last week. First coach fired odds. Okay. Ron Rivera was the favorite last week. His team's 2-0. and Brandon Staley was second. And that was before the loss to the freaking Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anybody like a Neil Brown in the NFL right now who's clearly in DGAF mode, although I guess credit them for beating Pitt. Jeez, Pitt, how bad are you this year? Mm. Uh, I can't think of anybody. I guess Rivera would probably have been the closest to that where it just seems like he's indifferent one way or the other. Yep, and I didn't think he'd make it through the season. I still don't, but Washington 2-0, one of the bigger surprise 2-0 teams in all of football. All right, there's our uh, NFL Week 2 recap. We'll take your thoughts on the text line, 512-222-9328. A couple of Deshaun Watson texts. Yes, we are saying his career will not have a happy ending. Somebody Mm. said Chargers are going to charge your brother. Yep, that is what they do better (laughs) than anybody else in football. And you can hit us up on the YouTube comment line. By the way, we're less than 10 subscribers away from 5,000. So... We're going to hit that number very soon, which means we're going to have a badass giveaway very soon here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. So uh, help us get to that number. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit that button. Please continue to spread the word. We'll also have a huge giveaway when we get to 10,000 subscribers too. So don't like stop telling people like, ah, they hit 5,000. They don't need any more. No, we're going to up our giveaway game every single milestone that we hit. But thank you all for the support right now as we're inching closer and closer to 5K in not even five weeks. Pretty impressive what we've uh, been able to do, and we appreciate you guys jumping on board with us on the ground floor. Is it true that part of the gift package, BK, is that you're going to treat one lucky winner to a meal at Taco Bell? Sure. You're going to provide the company? I'll do that. I don't know if people would find that as a gift or a treat. People would be like, I don't want that price. Give me something else. I think a lot of people would be jump would be jumping at that opportunity. What about the chance to play volleyball with you? I'll give some volleyball lessons if that's what you're asking. <laughs> I have already been labeled the Nick Saban of second and third grade girls volleyball. <laughs> My Self- daughter's first game last Self-labeled. Week. I'm telling you, there were several parents who came to me with that one. And I'm like, look, I can't give myself such a nickname, but if that's what y'all are saying, I'm happy to pass it along. Oh, to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) The most humble guy we all know, Trey (laughs) Elling. Oh, man. All right, before we hear from Steve Sarkeesian, let's give some love to uh, some of our great sponsors. Trey, how about relax the back in that great chair that you're sitting in today? Oh, man, I'm dealing with a little bit bit of neck pain today bk i rarely talk about this with my relaxed the back chair that i am sitting in each and every day on texas sports unfiltered i always talk about the lumbar support it's got great head support too that right now because i have the chair raised up a little bit i can actually use it for a little bit of a neck massage not one of those deshaun watson happy ending neck massages but i'm able to press on the neck and my neck and head feel better as a result I have been a Relax the Back customer for going on about 15 years at this point. Started many years ago. I want to say it was the Relax the Back in Barton Creek Mall that I started acquiring these massage tools, many of which I still have in my house to this day. Over the years, I've gone back for plenty of things. That now includes this insanely comfortable office chair. Find out for yourself. Go to RelaxTheBack.com to see all the different types of things that they will sell in the store nearest you. And you can also find that nearest store to you at relaxtheback.com. Absolutely. Shout out to RTB for joining us here on TSU. And shout out to Olipop as well. Got to get to the store a little bit later today to restock on the Olipop. This is a game changer. It's a new kind of soda. That's their slogan. But that's exactly what Olipop is. I've gotten a few texts and YouTube comments from you guys who are trying Olipop. And the results and the testimonials have been incredibly positive. A new kind of soda, a soda that's actually good for you. The great flavor that you grew up sipping. They've got cola, they've got lemon lime, they've got cream soda, they've got root beer. All the classic flavors plus some twists as well. And it's all 
good for you. Nine grams of fiber in every can, only two to five grams of sugar in every can of Olipop. Inside, you get a blend of seven unique botanicals, plant fibers, and prebiotics. I'm telling you, it tastes just like the soda you grew up sipping, but with the added benefits of microbiome and digestive health support as well. A great tasting soda that's actually good for you. Check it out if you haven't yet. I change your life. It is Olipop. All right, Trey, let's hear from Coach Sark, who met with the Austin media down on campus yesterday. Let's hear him talking about Quinn Ewers. Obviously, that is one of, if not the most talked about elements from Texas's win over Wyoming on Saturday, the regression of Quinn Ewers, right? He played maybe the game of his life against Alabama last Saturday, and he played one of the worst games of his Texas career. Matter of fact, his completion percentage on Saturday was the third lowest in his college career the only two that were worse oklahoma state and tcu and i think we all remember how awful quinn was and it wasn't just quinn the the whole team kind of stunk especially offensively in both of those games but we remember how bad quinn was in those games well what he did on saturday against wyoming unfortunately pretty similar to that let's hear steve sarkeesian talking about quinn's performance against wyoming Every aspect of the passing game needs to improve. You know, it just we felt like we just weren't we weren't as sharp. You know, we had a, a protection breakdown in there. Um, didn't have the best play calls predicated on what the coverages were. I think Quinn could have could have probably made a couple throws that he normally would make. So everybody kind of took their turn, and that's again that's not to make excuses. We all have to be better. And and that you know again you think passing game, you think play call, and you think quarterback. And most notably, you, both of us need to be better. Um, but I think everybody else needs to be better as well. And so we all got to take responsibility uh, of that. Uh, and we're going to need our passing game, as we know. And so, again, I'm not going to let one game kind of knock me off my rocker on this one. Um, we were really good throwing the ball for two weeks, especially in week two. Um, it wasn't as clean as we wanted to. The lucky part for us, we have a run game that we can lean in on, a defense that can we can count on in special teams. Um, but we'll, we'll get that fixed, and, and we'll go out and, and play much better in the passing game this week. I think that as long as Quinn Ewers insists on the footwork that he uses or doesn't use to throw the football, this is kind of the expectation. You're just going to have games where the passing attack is not on the same page. And I'm certainly not rationalizing or justifying it. He needs to get the footwork thing right. Until he does... There's going to be these erratic moments against competition that you should be blowing out of the water, and it will allow said competition to remain in the game, especially with a team like what Wyoming brought to Austin this last weekend. A bunch of fifth and sixth year guys, many of whom have been a part of this Wyoming program for several years, if not the entirety of their five to six years, and they play a rough and tumble brand of football. It was the Perfect mixture, unfortunately, for the Longhorns to remain way too close with this Wyoming team all the way up until they got their shit together in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, Quinn's got to be better, man. Like, I I just can't accept that. And I'm not saying that you are, but, like, I, I can't accept 2022 Quinn here in 2023 because if that's the case, look, Texas still might get to Arlington. Hell, this conference is so bad this year, they might win the Big 12 when it's all said and done. But feel like this team's got a shot to make the playoff, dude. I mean, they're the third-ranked team in the country right now, and they're going to be favored in every single game they play the rest of the season. There's only one ranked team on the schedule right now for Texas, and that's a group you beat 49 to nothing last year. It's it's going to suck if that keeps happening. Quinn Ewers can't play like he did on Saturday and Texas win by three touchdowns. Like, if Quinn Ewers plays like he did in the first half against Rice or like he did in the first three quarters against Wyoming, Texas is going to lose multiple games might be two it might be three i know they've got an elite defense i know they've got good running backs and other talent all over the roster but if quinn ewers is going to be playing the way that he did and it wasn't all his fault like sark's right some of it's the play calling some of it's the o-line some of it's the receivers not being able to catch well enough but most of it to me is on quinn and if he's going to keep playing like that or if he's going to be as up and down as he was last year then this texas team isn't going to get where it should get So SD says, I think saying he's playing just like last year is a little foolish. I understand what you're saying there, SD, but it is providing tones of what we saw last year. And that is frustrating because we've seen this guy take major steps forward. And I would like to say that one difference between Quinn last year and Quinn this year is Quinn last year 
would let a bad first half or a bad first three quarters continue to snowball into a pretty terrible entire game. And credit to him for getting it together, for remaining focused, for remaining vocal with his teammates and congratulating them when they were were doing good things and ultimately getting it figured out well enough to help his team win the game. Now, his stats still sucked, especially when you take away that Xavier Worthy throw to the flats where it was Xavier doing all of the work, obviously. He was not good. Need to give Paul Wadlington some credit here from inside Texas for breaking down just what Quinn's day looked like. I want to say he finished with 10 incompletions. Five of those were bad balls. And I want to say uh, a couple more, a couple of those were thrown into double coverage. There was one ball that should have been flat out picked off. Fortunately, right now, if you are a Longhorn fan, a lot of the bad luck that Quinn Ewers had last year with regards to turning the football over seems to be going more in the Longhorns' favor this year. Think about that fumble in Alabama on the fourth and short that Jonathan Brooks picks up. And there have been a few throws that last year probably end up as interceptions or turnovers, and this year have not for one reason or another. Either the defensive back has dropped the ball, or in a couple of instances, his receivers, both Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington, have gone up really high to get hands on a ball that they ultimately don't come down with. Because if they don't touch that ball, in both circumstances, there's been a defensive back waiting in center field to grab the ball and start running the other direction. Yeah, that play against Wyoming in the first quarter on that third down where he tried to force one to J.T. Sanders in the middle of the end zone. And yep. you're right, it should have been an interception. Thankfully, it wasn't. Texas was able to get three points, uh, but it could have easily been zero points and Wyoming taking the ball the other way. Like, man, I, I tweeted it out at halftime of the first game, and I got a lot of crap for it. And I got more crap for it after what Quinn did against Alabama I tweeted, new hair, new diet, same Quinn Ewers. I know the Alabama game happened. Let's not forget what Quinn did in the Alabama game last year. Like, if he doesn't get hurt, he probably plays a similar game against the Crimson Tide like he played last weekend. He was torching Nick Saban's defense. They had no answers. But it was some of the other games against lesser opponents where Quinn Ewers just wasn't good enough. So I'm not saying it's going to be an issue over all season, over the course of the entire season. Like, I think Quinn Ewers is better, and I think he will continue to get better this year. But that's that's what it's been. It's the same stuff that we talked about last year with him we're talking about right now. And the Alabama game was awesome. I'm not taking anything away from Quinn Ewers, right? Say what you will about Alabama, their offense, they've got issues. That defense is still salty, and Quinn picked them apart. That was very, very impressive what he did in Tuscaloosa last Saturday. But... Some of the other stuff, the footwork issues, the bad reads, the throwing into double coverage, the inaccuracies, all the crap that we talked about last year, we're still talking about with Quinn Ewers here in 2023. It's never going to be perfect. I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be you know, the second coming of Tom Brady in the NFL or anything like that. Like I get it. He's going to have some troubles. No quarterback is ever perfect on 100% of his throws. But I just, I, I don't know, man. I don't want to be doing this every other week, right? Like it wasn't an every week thing last year, but it felt like an every other week thing. I don't want to be doing this every other week. And hell, two out of the three weeks that we've talked after a Texas game, we've talked about Quinn Ewers being too inconsistent. So it's similar. It's one of the reasons why footwork is so important. I know that I'm going to get repetitive here, but if you're not doing that correctly, you're going to be winging the ball all over the place, even with his live and arm. Heck, maybe because he has such a live arm, those short, throws that require touch end up becoming a little bit more problematic. Like sometimes the ball is on the money, but he's still zipping it in there at such a pace. And I imagine the revolutions on the football are matching as strange as this sounds, that it's just a harder ball to catch. Some guys throw, even if it's same speed, a harder ball that exists across sports. I used to say this about Colby Lewis. He threw a really hard ball. His fastball only topped out at like, 88, 89 miles per hour, but he threw a hard ball that sawed a lot of bats, and a lot of that had to do with rotation. Quinn has something similar going on. So I hope that he really takes to heart, because I've heard Steve Sarkeesian talk about this too. He knows his footwork needs to be better. That for Quinn to truly become elite, he's got to get that footwork. Maybe not perfect. He can maybe get away with it being less than perfect than a guy who has less physical skill, but it needs to get a lot better than it is right now if he's going to be 
as consistent as we want to see him game to game. Yeah, he's he's good enough to win the mid-12, as SD says. That's a hilarious name for this conference this year. Uh, but, yeah, look, I, he, he's, he's not that Heisman guy right now. Like, after yeah. Alabama, he was in that Heisman conversation. Hell, right now, he's got the second-best odds to win the Heisman Trophy, even after the very lackluster performance against the Wyoming Cowboys this past weekend. I want him to be in that mix. I want him to be in New York. More importantly, I want Texas to be a playoff team this year, and that doesn't happen if we're having the same conversation every Tuesday for the next three months. People need to show Michael Penix some damn respect. I know Caleb Williams is the number one guy. Michael Penix is playing better than any other quarterback in college football right now. I believe it's Penix. Michael Penix. <laughs> is that a is that a, a bit, or is that really what we're going with? I think that's what we're supposed to go with. Peen Island, Penix. Hmm. I think that's uh, that's his name. But yeah, he I'm is having a good year. Um, some love to some sponsors before we get to Crazy Airplane Lady. How about a recorded yes. spot from our buddy Tom McKay and audio visual consultations? Hi, this is Tom McKay with audio visual consultations. And Camilla McKay. Kid, what time is it? Old man, it's back to sports time. The hockey and football seasons are upon us. And baseball is winding down to the best part. And what about basketball season? I'm 5'2". Who the hell cares about basketball? Yeah, we're talking about watching, not playing. And in that case, you've got everyone covered, right? That's right. Audiovisual Consultations has been providing awesome systems and service throughout Texas for over 30 years. Installing home entertainment systems and livening up restaurants with incredible audio and video systems. We're talking multi-screen video walls. And home entertainment that puts you in the best seat in the stadium. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678. Hey, aren't you forgetting something? Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Hug your kids until they beg you to stop. Watch a game with your friends. And make love to whoever the hell you want. Just give us a call at 512-255-8678 or visit us at avconsultations.com. Go Stars! Go Bruins! Kid. Come on, kid. Go Stars. 24 7 365 shout out to av consultations and shout out to covert b cave as well if you're looking for a new or pre-owned car truck or suv you got to check out covert b cave 42 acres in the beautiful central texas hill country covert b cave has three new state-of-the-art auto dealerships carrying seven brands cadillac gmc chrysler dodge jeep ram and buick they've got it all plus covert ford and chevy and hutto in Covert Ford and Lincoln in Austin. The Covert Auto Group has been around for more than 100 years. They started in 1909. They're the very best at what they do. Great service, great selection, great prices. Everything you want in a good car buying experience, you can find with the Covert Auto Group. Check them out in B-Cave. Dan, Stacy, Mike, the whole crew out there, awesome people. They've become great friends of ours. They do great work as well. Check them out online, too, at covertbcave.com. All right, before we get to where are we at in society, we've got to uh, quickly play this video, Trey. We've had we've had like a month-long stretch of weird-ass shit happening on airplanes. And yes, for one story, pun intended, because of the crazy crapping lady uh, who caused a flight to divert from Atlanta to Spain. They had to make an emergency landing because it was a biohazard on that flight. We also had the crazy lady who pointed out some ghost or fake person in the back of the plane saying that guy's not real and if you all want to die with that person stay on this plane we've had both of those crazy hot matrix crazy hot matrix Uh, yeah yeah she's both very crazy and very hot now we've got well speaking of crazy hot matrix another one this one is cleaned up this was a video that was posted on tiktok a couple of days ago and it's gone viral on an American Airlines flight out of Miami, some woman is getting kicked off the plane, and she's uh, causing a little bit of a scene as she's doing so. Check it out. Just dropping F-bombs left and right. And I think the most quotable piece was, film me, I'm Instagram famous, you effing bum. Right to the camera of the uh, the poor girl who was filming that video right there. Have you made all the money back from the countless surgeries that you've had to make yourself look like that? 
Instagram oh. famous. Yeah, you think from her uh, IG following, she's been able to get paid back for all the fake stuff she's got on her right now? I mean, there's nothing real on that woman. Uh, she's got her real mouth. Well, probably not. The lips are probably fake, but she cusses a lot. That was a stupid thing to say. She does have a... <laughs> she does. Give her some orbit. <laughs> she does have a filthy mouth and a fake mouth, too, because you're right. Those lips are full of some sort of collagen that didn't come from her. Jake brings up a fair point. He thinks I can fix her. I think so, too. How would you fix her? Uh, well, I can't surgically fix her. If I tried that, that would not go well for any party involved. But I can get a little bit of the crazy out of her. I, I, I could calm her down a little bit, and I can make sure that she's not getting kicked off of flights and calling people effing bums in the process. Oh, what would your strategy be to calm her down? Take her out a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> let her experience what it's like to be with BK, you know? <laughs> my charming personality, my keen wit, my sense of humor, I'd be able to take some of the crazy out of her, man. Probably need a Xanax prescription, too, to help. Yeah, I mean, she's she's going to be stuck in that apartment with you for like 48 to 72 hours, whatever the stretch was the last time without you going outside. She's going to be telling you to fuck off. Uh, your apartment to go find somebody in that workout room. Nah, I could fix her. I'm not worried about her. No problem there. That's easy money right there. <laughs> just, just lock her in the guest bedroom closet, huh? That's yep. what you're going to do to fix her? Mm-hmm. And no, prisoner? Like Bucky with the H-E-B baggers, you know? Bucky has been very close to putting a couple of H-E-B baggers that help him out to his car, just pushing them into his trunk and driving off like okay. Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. No, he ain't been close. He tells you he's only been close, but I've been to his place, man. I've seen it. Oh, does he have uh, some some uh, human skin purses that he's currently tanning? Said too much. That's all I could say. Oh, man. All right, before we get to where we added society today, Trey, one of our newest sponsors, the great people at Pest Wranglers. What the hell is wrong with me? Cooter, a.k.a. Steve, I am sorry that you are having to hear your business talked about after what we just discussed. But Steve is the guy in charge of Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers has been a longtime supporter of what we've been doing on the airways. First at the horn, now here with Texas Sports Unfiltered. And you will enjoy pest filters and bring them back uh, for business for when you need to get rid of those pests because they do such a good job of ridding you of the pests. The reason why you're going to love Pest Wranglers is because they are all about people, treating people well. Steve treats his employees well. His employees treat you well. It is what has allowed them to acquire so many different five-star reviews on Google, Yelp, and more. Pest Wranglers has been doing it here in Central Texas for a long time now. They don't operate on contract, so if you're unhappy with the service at a given point in time, you can just cancel. There's no fees, no cancellation uh, requirements there. Steve wants you to be happy, and he will go above and beyond in doing so. So will his employees. Find out more and give a call for that service at PestWranglers.com, BK. And thank you so much to Steve and Pest Wranglers for their support of not just this program, but where we at in society. Where are we at in society today? All right, it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism. And as it's all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, especially with yesterday's positive story and me having to punk some cheating kid out at my kid's birthday party. <laughs> that was positive? You trying, to, you trying to fight an 11-year-old was a positive story? That was a positive story because I called that cheating punk out. And maybe he would be less likely to cheat the next time. <laughs> Thank you for your service, Trey. You're welcome, society. Maybe one potential less punk ass on this planet. Ugh. Or maybe he's going to be more likely to try and get one over on me the next time I'm around this punk. We are going to stay in the skies for today's Where We At story, BK. Where a couple from New Zealand is demanding a refund after they had to sit next to a smelly dog on their 13-hour-long Singapore Airlines flight. 
Gill and Warren Press were headed back to New Zealand from Paris in June when they were surprised to see a dog with a passenger in the seat next to them. Gill said she kept hearing this noise, a heavy snorting. She thought it was her husband's phone, but then they looked down and realized it was the dog breathing. Quote, I said, I'm not having this sitting next to us this whole trip. The woman said she overheard the dog's owner saying to another passenger that he gets nervous on planes and needs the pet by his side. The couple decided to stay in their premium economy seats after speaking with the flight attendant who said the only other available seats were located in the back row of the economy section. Unfortunately, halfway through the flight, things get significantly worse, BK. The dog starts farting. And it wasn't the uh, loud but non-smelly sort of farts. It was the loud and smelly farts. Quote, the passenger couldn't have the dog out in the aisle because they couldn't get the trolleys through. So it had to come in further, which meant his head was under my husband's feet. My husband was in shorts and was getting this dog saliva all over his leg as well. Oh, well, that's, that's his fault. You can't be wearing shorts on a plane. You got to be better than that. You can wear shorts on the plane. You just can't wear flip-flops on the plane, especially if you're planning on going completely barefoot on the airplane or in the airport too, by the way. There's way too many people doing that these days. Hmm. So let me ask you this, BK. 13-hour flight, a smelly-ass dog that starts farting halfway through. Would you rather have to sit next to this person who is faking some anxiety issue to bring their dog on this trip or would you rather be stuck next to a baby that may or may not be crying for part of the time? Well, they could have had an actual anxiety issue. I'm calling bullshit on that, dude. <laughs> we, need, we need to draw a different line in the sand with regards to where dogs are allowed. Your dog needs to be an official emotional support pet. Like, it needs to be wearing some sort of vest to me even to begin to believe that you're just not trying to pull one over on the system by bringing your dog with you on vacation. Well, like a bulletproof Not necessarily one of those, but it needs to go through proper emotional support pet training. Your emotional support pet is complete bullshit if that dog is coming up and smelling my leg or trying to lick my leg, which unfortunately happens entirely too much when I'm in grocery stores, restaurants, coffee shops, or anyplace else where dogs shouldn't be, but they are allowed now because people have just thrown this shit into the wind and nobody is trying to stop them. I think most people who take pets on planes just don't have any friends. Like they don't have anybody they could ask to watch their dog or cat for a couple of days. That's part of it, but it's also expensive to board dogs too. So people fake these issues and get their doctors to write them a note. I don't know if I want to throw this guy into the bus or not, but he said it on the air. Tristan Nicholson, former Texas Longhorn <laughs> offensive lineman. We had him in studio after his career was over with, like getting to know him a little bit better. Really cool dude, but he admits to us that his family basically went to the doctor and got a note for the need for an emotional support pet so they could bring their pet on their vacation with them. Mm. Like 90% of people that have dogs or cats or peacocks or Shetland ponies or whatever else on flights, beehives, they are just completely bullshitting the system. To answer your question, farting dog v crying baby, I'll go farting dog. Hmm. Like I think a lot of people would say, well, you got noise-canceling headphones. Why won't you take the crying baby? The baby's right next to you. The headphones, it's not going to work. If the baby's a few rows back, then yeah, the noise-canceling headphones, that's fine. But I, I, I can't deal with crying baby because those also smell. Those also just move around and finagle a lot. It sounds like this dog was sitting in one spot just ripping ass the entire time. I'd rather deal with ass-ripping dog than ass-ripping, crying, fidgety baby. Dude, every time, you don't have any pets at home, but every time one of our two dogs comes over and is like laying at our feet as Justine and I are watching television or a movie, or let's be honest, the television is on while we're each on whatever other technology is closest to us, computers, phones, whatever else. Anytime one of those dogs starts to let the flatulence go, and you normally can't hear it, it's not as audible, but you can almost always smell it. Just look at these mongrels like they are asking to be gotten rid of. Like they're asking to be dropped into a field somewhere. It is vile. 
I've had to deal with it too much. Give me the crying baby. Hopefully the parents are making an effort to keep the baby from crying. I want nothing to do with a farting dog on an airplane. That dog shouldn't be on the airplane to begin with, damn it. Neither should the baby. Kevin says farting yeah. dog every day over a crying baby. Kevin being Kevin Dunn, who will be on with you from 3 to 5 later today. You didn't say that, you liar. <laughs> Unless he's tweeting you and I different things. What did he say to you? He said, stop having animals on fucking planes. <laughs> he said farting dog every day over both sides, Kevin Dunn, the politician. My, oh, my apologies. I, I didn't mean to call you a liar there. He just tweeted us different things to get us at one another. And sure enough, it worked this time. Well done, Kevin. Well done. All right. We are done today. Trey and Kevin will be from three to five. But right now, it's time to hand it off to Chip Brown and Zay Collier for a little chip. And Zay, gentlemen, take it away. <laughs> 